Hello, and welcome to the Transfix Take On. I'm your host, Jenny Ruiz, and today we're taking on pricing and RFP season head on. Joining me on today's show is Transfix's very own contract strategy managers, Nina Chang and Pam Yang. Welcome to the show, ladies. Thanks, Jenny. Yeah. Happy to have you. <laughs> All right. So first things first, this is a big conversation here. So I kind of want to set the stage. Can you break down what the role of pricing of the pricing team here is at Transfix and what your roles are relevant to that team? Yes. So this is Nina speaking. Um, our pricing and growth strategy team is responsible for pricing all contract lanes for our shippers and supporting our partners across the organization with strategic data analysis projects and growth initiatives. I am a manager on the team overseeing our enterprise contract strategy and strategic pricing programs covering some of the largest accounts here at Transfix. I'm Pam, um, coming in with my scope um, and focusing in on what Nina shared about the contract team scope. Overall, my specific scope around that is the growth shippers focusing on pricing strategies that help Transfix grow our volume and obviously revenue and margin. In addition, I manage projects related to streamlining how we co collect shipper feedback, um, as well as any project related to how we can be as competitive as possible through pricing. Love that. All right. So as you know, in our weekly market updates, Maze and I are constantly talking about the battle between contract and spot freight, which has been very interesting, especially over the last couple of months, maybe even a couple of years. Um, there are a number of factors that would motivate a shipper now to move contracted freight or originally contracted freight over into the spot markets, you know, things like weather events, capacity issues price fluctuations based on the economy and the current state of the market. So I'd like to start with how often would you say loads get moved to the spot market based on inaccuracies with pricing? This is Cam speaking again. Um, I wouldn't exactly call it inaccuracies as much as I would call it having varying degrees of misalignment with market movement. Like so when that shift happens, which is inevitable given that we must forecast when we're producing these um, RFP contracts the costs and the prices for the future. And so the shipper's decision to move their freight between spot and contract is a function of how the market moves after the time of pricing or awarding the RFP. So directionally, when the market moves down after the contract is awarded and the pricing is confirmed, shippers are more likely to speak, seek out spot market for their freight until there's another significant market shift. On the contrary, if the market were to move up after the time of pricing or awarding the RFP, the shipper is more likely to commit their volume to the contracts since the prices were secured at a lower rate. Okay. And now what would you say are shippers sacrificing when they move contract freight over into the spot market? Which I, I know is a weighted question, but in, in your opinion, what would you say? Yeah. So I would say by moving contract freight into the spot market, shippers can sometimes lose out on strategic pricing initiatives, such as having a consistent carrier in the short term. In the long term, a shipper could consistently, if they under tender or award ghost lanes, it could be difficult for them to negotiate the most competitive rates with current brokers and carriers come next season. I wanted to add one extra thing that's new at Transfix that we're really excited about, and that is um, certain ESG initiatives we are starting to offer and talk through with shippers. This includes supplier diversity goals and um, smart way carriers being able to help uh, shippers reduce their carbon emissions. All of these strategic pricing initiatives need to be guaranteed through contract. And so when they move off of it, sometimes they can sell themselves short um, by not committing to the volume that 
we outlined in the beginning of the year. That's awesome. Now, I, I have to call this out because this is the first time that I personally am hearing of this. Can you explain to me what a ghost lane is? Yeah, so generally that is something that we expect to see at time of award. So this is something that you know we quoted for the contract. We kind of have a handshake agreement with the shipper that this is something we're going to see volume on. And then it just never realizes. Interesting. Okay. It's almost like ghosting and dating. <laughs> yeah. <All right. laughs> There you go. So a lot of shippers are waiting for this so-called new normal, which I think has just become a hot topic in conversations that we have with our shippers, you know, both in our network and out of our network. And a few of them, namely our chief economist, Aya Bande Amade, who has been on the show before, says that there is no such thing as quote unquote normal anymore in freight. So how, in your view, can shippers avoid sacrificing that quality that you spoke of a few seconds ago and service? but still keep favorable rates regardless of whatever market conditions, you know, happen to be. I can jump in here. So I think this is where some of our creative pricing product solutions can support our shippers. This past September, we launched Transfix True Rate Plus, which incorporates real-time market data and aligns shipper incentives with Transfix by sharing the risk. So every load that gets tendered gets a market rate. When we procure a carrier below market, the shipper gains a higher percentage of the savings. On the flip side, when we procure above market, we take on a bigger portion of that expense. Shippers get full transparency into their procurement process and are able to see the rates that are declined and accepted. By not locking themselves into long, longer-term contract rates, shippers can gain greater savings and the market is soft and are exposed to less operational risk as the market tightens, since our program considers shippers service KPIs. So this is an example of a really awesome program that Transfix launched last fall. So I think it's one of those cool initiatives that can help solve some of these like market fluctuations. I would love to know what was sort of the genesis behind True Rate Plus, especially in these market conditions? You know, was there kind of a um, a need from shippers that said, hey, we really want something like this? Or was this purely the creative geniuses that are at Transfix? I think the launch of True Rate Plus came from our shipper needs. We have one flagship customer come to us. And so we built this product for that customer and realized that it could solve a number of issues for all our shippers across the industry. I think this product helps a lot with the issue of repricing. So as Pam was mentioning, like as the market fluctuates, as you know, shippers move between contract and spot, another option that shippers can take is repricing their contract. And so that's a really heavy operational lift for our shippers, especially if they have smaller teams that are working on their pricing. Um, so I think it's definitely shipper let shippers had the need for this. But uh, I can't, would be remiss to say that we don't have the technical and creative genius team here at Transfix that helped launch this program and came up with the solution to solve a real industry problem. Awesome. Now, let's shift gears a little bit into RFP season. You know, at one point, and I think depending on who you ask, there was, there was an RFP season. And I still think that there is, depending, again, on who you ask. But we're finding more often than not RFPs can happen throughout the year rather than once a quarter like they normally would. So if you could indulge me in taking us through the process within Transfix Walls. So once Transfix receives an invite to an RFP, what then does the pricing team do to populate the most accurate rates? 
So this is Pam again. I love this question. We get asked this a lot of us, like internally and externally. The variables that we uh, factor into our RFP pricing range greatly in terms of levels of detail. So we can produce, so that we can produce a custom offering that is tailored to the shipper's needs as well as our own resources, carrier network, et cetera. And so some examples, for example, are uh, lane-specific variables can include understanding the shipping lane at a zip code granularity, length of haul, lane desirability. At a macro level, variables can include regional market trends, manufacturing inventory levels in the country, and just general current events going on. Awesome. So essentially all of the things that we talk about each week on our market update. I love that. Okay, great. So we're, we're, yeah. we're on the same wavelength here, and I appreciate that. You know, and, and also for logistics managers, um, you know, they often have to make the case or they always have to make the case to their CFOs for their budget. So how can we as partners give them the right tools when they're going to their CFO to get that approval when it comes to the buying power of a shipper that won't sacrifice service? So our team has the analytical capabilities and data science tools to help build out financial cases to support certain pricing or product solutions. I think what makes Transfix different is our commitment to be strategic partners to our shippers, kind of serve as internal consultants for them. Right now, we are hearing that cost savings is the name of the game across the board, but not at the expense of service. For example, as I mentioned with Transfix TrueBay Plus, we can run cost savings analysis on a historical set of shipments to demonstrate in dollars how much a shipper could have reduced their spend if they had used our program. So our shipper partners can then demonstrate that value add to their CFOs or whomever they need to get approval from. But we love collaborating to build creative solutions. And I think that's been one of the most exciting experiences that we've been able to have here at Transfix. So I, I feel like I should give some background or, or ask you guys to give some background on your path here at Transfix now that we have gotten to this moment. So if you will indulge, I mean, Nina and Pam, how long have you been at Transfix? What brought you here? And, and sort of give me a little bit about your backgrounds. Sure. So again, this is Nina. I've been at Transfix now for about two and a half years. I came here from a financial consulting role at BlackRock. So I was looking to join a startup looking to have a bit more of an impact. When I first joined the pricing and growth strategy team, I think it was a team of four. I came on as an analyst, so got my hands dirty right away with pricing RFPs. Um, then I started to work on larger enterprise shippers, started to help hire, grow the team, build out our internship program. And now as a manager, I know you mentioned I oversee some of the accounts that I used at Price. So it's definitely been an exciting journey here. Learned a lot. It's been a lot of work, but a lot of fun too. So yeah, that's, that's a bit about me. Pam, if you want to go. Yeah. So for me, um, I didn't grow up through Transfix like Nina as much. Uh, this is my first year with Transfix still. I started around last summer. And I come from, I've done logistics tech my whole career. I always knew, which is crazy, when I was studying industrial engineering and statistics in college, I always thought it was cool that logistics like literally like bring things around the world and like connects people. And so I started off in warehouse consulting. That was my first job out of school. And then I worked for Flexport, which is like probably the biggest freight forwarder um, in the tech space. And then I worked for a small series A startup 
um, doing art shipping pricing. And that's when I had the experience of pricing, set up the pricing department at that company. And then uh, fortunately enough, made my way to Transfix, um, which was a shift from international freight moving to domestic freight. Um, but I've really enjoyed like getting, because um, FTL specifically can be commoditized, there was like a completely different way to think about how to price as opposed to like international when there's so many other variables to consider. So really like cutting through the skin and into the bone on the pricing has been really interesting. What I like the most about my role outside of my great team, like the greater PGS org, but also like specifically my direct reports is um, how we use data at this company. Uh, I get to work with Aya as well as other people on the data science team to create like models that really optimize the way we use all the historical data we've racked up through the time that Transfix has been in business. And um, I always say like we, I guess like every time something happens, like we make sure we learn from it, whether, yeah, whether it's not the, it is the outcome we expect and we're like, okay, what did we do right? How do we repeat that? Or like, if it's not the outcome we expect, what, what learnings can we have so that we can continue to make the business better? So I, I really like that we're really efficient in learning and what enables that is how we use our data here. So. And I have to say you are one of the, if not the first person I've ever met in logistics to say that you purposely wanted to be in logistics. <laughs> Usually everyone says the same thing that it felt, they fell into it. So I love that you were like, right from the jump, you know, very interested in, in sort of how the world moved. And, and I think both of you play really important roles here at the company. I think you are two of the hardest working women here at Transfix. And, you know, it, it's, you put in a lot of hours for a lot of amazing things. I think before we walk away from the conversation as managers at the company and in light of Women's History Month, I'd love to just hear what have you learned about yourself that you, you know, bring into your role as a manager every day? And how do you keep your team motivated? This is not an easy job. <laughs> I actually did want to share a fun fact in light of Women's History Month. Pam and I actually became friends before she joined Transfix over a LinkedIn connection. I always say that Pam slid into my LinkedIn DMs. But I did. <laughs> <laughs> but I think um, that, that's that's. That just goes to show one of the most important things I've learned here is the power of connection and connecting with people and learning about, you know, what motivates and what drives them and how can I help someone get to where they want to be. I've been very fortunate here at Transfix with my career and the opportunities that I've had. And I think that's one of the cool things that being at a scrappy, creative, smaller company is that you can really go in and build and improve a process and make things better. So, yeah, I think... I don't know if that answers the question, but I always try to focus. It always comes down to people for me and seeing like what, how I can help support someone else in their journey and what we can do here at Transfix to help them achieve what they want to achieve in their careers. I love that. Pam, what about you? I guess I think about managing, like not as just like looking at the output. I, I know some, some people have that kind of principle, like is my output good for my team and how do I optimize output? But more, more holistically, like, what would I ideally want in a manager? And I always think of this like two by two quadrant, like you have on the X axis, like demanding or not demanding. On the Y axis, you have supportive or not supportive. So you always want to be in the quadrant where you're demanding and supportive. That's, and that's where I try to angle myself for my team. In other quadrants, let's say you're not demanding and not supportive, then you're negligent. If you're demanding and not supportive, you're mean. And then if you're, um, not demanding, but supportive, then you're coddling. So 
so these with these four quadrants like I really try to like again like consider the emotions of my team and I know as much as I can make them feel safe and valued at the team they will do their best work so that's kind of my philosophy I guess like as it relates to being a woman like again like I'm not so focused on output and I'm like holistically looking at that and seeing where I can bring my own personality into my management style as well. I think you brought I think, that really beautifully. Yeah, go ahead, Nina. I was just going to add to, I think our team is very lucky in that we do, we are very fortunate to have quite a diverse team and especially yeah. to across the company to a lot of really strong female leaders to look up to. And I think that really helps add to our culture and management style as well. So just wanted to give a shout out there too. This, I think, I mean, I'm glad that we we got to this because I didn't want this to be just, a, not that it's just a conversation about pricing and RFP season, but I also think it's important to understand who are the people that are behind this, right? Who are the people that are making this happen every single day? And I think oftentimes when we talk about logistics, we talk about trucking, we don't talk about these particular roles that play such an important and critical part of the holistic experience of being a good partner to a shipper and and on the other side of that a good partner to a carrier as well right so that mm -hmm. we're making sure that both ends are taken care of in in uh meaningful ways thank you so much <laughs>